Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We're certainly living uh, in an age of uh, great confusion, moral confusion, even intellectual confusion, in spite of uh, many of the great uh, uh, insights and victories, really, of, of science. There still is a lot of intellectual confusion out there, moral confusion. We have financial confusion and certainly political confusion. My guest, uh, Jonathan Dodson, is the author of Our Good Crisis, Overcoming Moral Chaos and the Beatitudes. Uh, he is the pastor, founding pastor of City Life Church in Austin, Texas, and founder of Gospel-Centered Discipleship. And he's the author of several books, including The Unbelievable Gospel, uh, Raised, and Here in Spirit. Jonathan, good to have you with me. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. The Sermon on the Mount is uh, one of the most studied and commented upon passages uh, of Scripture. We've got you know two settings of it. Um, uh, Jesus starts it off, though, with this explosion of statements about blessedness, um, the Beatitudes. Uh, why does he? Be, do you have any thoughts on why he begins there? Well, I think the the Beatitudes. Uh, are ob- obviously they are memorable and punchy, you know, perhaps yep. like the Ten Commandments, as right. we think of the the Old Testament. Um, I, I think he's setting up his entire sermon with an attempt to really grab uh, his listeners with kind of a moral imperative. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't get but two or three beatitudes in, and you're kind of undone. Right. I mean, <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, you know, I'm out, you know. <laughs> I think the moral the moral imperatives are meant to grab us by the collar and kind of show us um, our utter need for the, for the, the promises that they have, you know, mm-hmm. being sons of God, the kingdom of God. You know, so there's, there's a sense in which the, the moral imperatives grab you by the collar and they kind of just bring you to the feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so uh, I think that kind of sets the heart uh, ready to hear uh, some of the more challenging passages on sexuality or generosity and so forth. Well, given our, our uh, cultural crisis today, uh, lay out for us why you think the Beatitudes are a good way of uh, entering into conversation with, uh, you know, those... Uh, of our fellow countrymen living through this moral crisis with us? Mm. Well, I, what I try to do in the book is to show that we actually, uh, Christians and non-Christians, live by a different set of Beatitudes. You know, the board Beatitude means blessed, it means uh, flourishing, joy, peace. Everybody wants those things. The mm-hmm. question is, how do you get them? Right. And... Uh, very often we live by kind of a secularized version of the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the are the angry, for they shall secure justice. Right. <laughs> uh, blessed, blessed are the selfish, for they shall be satisfied. And so what I try to do in the book is to demonstrate that even though as Christians we might believe in the Beatitudes of Jesus, our functional, our functional beliefs uh, align often with more and more secularized versions. So that's maybe perhaps the entry point is, you know, what what, what is your... Uh, code of morality, what what drives our everyday living and decision-making. And um, so, we, you know, try to think about things like the big me, 
uh, purity in an age of self-expression, mm-hmm. um, you know, mercy in an age of tolerance. You know, let's talk about some of these uh, principles that shape our morality and then contrast them with, of course, the morality and vision of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. I, it's it's good to point out that it it isn't as though people cease living according to some uh, moral standards. Uh, you quote rapper Kendrick Lamar here: "Blessed are the liars, for the truth can be awkward." You know, um, these are these are uh, we we are all trying. Uh, it seems to me one notion one one commonly repeated phrase you hear is, um, "I'm a good person," right? Everybody wants to be a good person. Uh, they, it's one of those phrases that has now uh, come up uh, as a, a touchstone of a proper belonging in America. I'm a good person. Um, of course, when you try to push on who's a bad person, it's sometimes difficult to get figure out who they mean. So do Christians, in their pursuit of, quote, the good person, how, how different are we? from those who have not exercised faith in Christ. Uh, we operate, of course, with a, a divine revelation and all that. But uh, those who are created in God's image and likeness, who have not received uh, the gospel yet, they're still in some way aspiring to be a good person. How much common mm-hmm. ground do we have? There, There is common ground, to be sure. And, in fact... I think um, at times you find people who are not Christians to excel in their morality more than Christians. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I think if we truly believe the gospel, we should be willing to point out the uh, moral excellencies of people around us, whether they're Christian or not, because our identity doesn't come from our moral performance, but from right. uh, our acceptance of salvation in Christ. So it is important to, to recognize what's good and true and beautiful all around us, regardless of the source. Uh, however, the, the, the formation or the basis for determining what's good or what's moral is obviously very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes there's common ground, and sometimes there's not. And today it seems that one of the, one of the primary um, criteria to determine what something's good is the, the harm principle. You know, so the idea, like, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right. it's yes. good. That's right. That's right. Uh, which on its surface sounds very nice and sounds very kind of, uh, you know, uh, thoughtful. But the, the question then is who determines what's harmful? So uh, you might have a person who says, you know, pornography doesn't, I, I watch pornography in the evenings. I'm not married. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch uh, movies with, you know, soft porn. Uh, what I do in the privacy of my home for my own satisfaction, right. you know, that doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, and then you might have someone else say, well, actually, you know, I think that does harm people because it, uh, you know, because it, it has a lower view of women or men um, because it pr- might promote an industry that uh, encourages sex trafficking. So, it, so this harm principle has a flaw within it because who determines what's harmful? Right. right. Uh, you can have whereas the, when you have a, a revelation, a revelation from God outside of ourselves, uh, such as in the scriptures, we have a clear instruction what is good and what is not from a kind of third-party source that's mm-hmm. flawless and wise and good. Amen. So, yeah, they're, they're competing uh, criteria to determine what's good. 
Right. Um, you're, you uh, show a great deal of insight into popular culture uh, in this book, and uh, I like that. Did you, uh, did you have, what, what, was your apologetics training in seminary very helpful? Uh, well, you know, I, I, uh, my undergraduate was in cultural anthropology. I grew up as a kid wanting to be a missionary one day, okay. and so I began to study cultures when right. I got to graduate school. And uh, so I've always been fascinated, spent some time in Southeast Asia among folk Buddhists, and then God called me to, to plant a church in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, a very different uh, culture. Live music uh, so capital of the world, right? In- indeed, indeed. <laughs> Lots of good music. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I've always enjoyed it. Um, I, however, I'd say the apologetics training that I got in graduate school and seminary um, is proven inadequate for the last decade. Uh, that's not a fault of my seminary. It's a, it's a really a revelation of the times. Mm-hmm. For a long time, people used to ask, uh, you know, is the Bible true? Is Jesus raised from the dead? They, right. they wanted to know, is Christianity true? Right. But today, people are less concerned with that and more concerned with, is Christianity good? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What are its views on gender, justice, sexuality? So uh, because of that shift in the kind of public uh, inquiry regarding Christianity, I had to kind of go back and think about those things that I kind of took for granted in Christianity. Of course it's good. Of course its view on sexuality right. is good. And, and begin to look at it through the lens of my friends and uh, neighbors here in Austin. So, um, yeah, so I think Christianity is good and true, and I think it, it can't be good if it's false. It's because it's true that it's good. Right. But I think in order to engage the people around us today, uh, we have to kind of enter into the good good door before we get to the true door. Yeah, that's great. No, that's good. Very, I think that's a great insight. I mean, when I was, you know, my early years of formation as a Christian, I was interested in the truth question, of course. But um, I never thought somebody would actually be challenging the idea of the goodness of God based on the fact that he killed his son, right? (laughs) Who in the world, when I was growing up, nobody thought that the the means of our redemption uh, was uh, somehow uh, an argument against the goodness of God, and yet people bring that up uh, today. Uh, uh, Yeah. So I, I think the world has changed in that respect. The pop, you know, popular conversation has changed, anyways. Yeah, and I, even that critique of the cross and the crucifixion, this idea of uh, you know divine child abuse or right. not being good, it, it grows out of this kind of harm principle of this kind of radical focus on what I determine is good or bad. And so justice, the divine justice, is taken out of the conversation, and we simply focus on you know what we consider to be harmful or good. Uh, of That's course, right. the cross includes both justice and mercy, and uh, we really need both in, in our lives before God and in society. So, yeah, it has affected that view of the cross. Let Let me uh, take take some time and, and go over the idea of, of the idea of uh, mourning. In an age of mm-hmm. distraction, I found that to be an interesting pairing. Lay that out for us. Yeah. Well, uh, we're inundated with tragedy every day. I mean, you know, the headlines. I wake up every morning. We all, and it's there's suffering, there's death, there's uh, tragedy, there's genocide, there's school shootings, um, and 
the flow of tragic news in a 24-hour news cycle, um, it, it has an arresting effect. It can drive us to great outrage, um, to despair. Uh, and for many of us, uh, perhaps in the middle, we find ourselves numb. How do I respond? Mm. And, and so, you know, there was a survey done in 2018 about Americans' view of, of cable news and, and uh, television and uh, the, the report was that they were they had uh, uh, what's the phrase? Essentially, uh, they they were so anxious by the headlines that they stopped watching the news. Yeah, there was a, yeah. a considerable drop. You know, um, well, what are you going to do? Kind of compassion uh, fatigue well, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, tragedy fatigue. Right? Yeah. And so, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to escape. You know. Uh, so, how do you deal with the sorrow that you seem unable to kind of process and so many of us we either uh minimize or maximize the sorrow um uh, we turn to anger and outrage and you know hate hate fueled debates that are political or we we might um you know just check out altogether stop reading the newspaper stop following the headlines stop clicking on those important issues and just watch lots of movies or binge Netflix. <laughs> right Right. You know, so so the distraction becomes a way of coping with the inundation of really uh, a superhuman am- amount of, of suffering. Very good. Uh, Jesus, though, wants us to mourn uh, rather than escape into distractions. Uh, Absolutely. Jonathan, we're out of time today, but I'd love to have you back to go, you know, over the program, you might say, go over the moral, how to overcome moral chaos with the Beatitudes. I hope we can talk again soon. That'd be great.